presence of God here tonight. Amen. I, if you have your Bibles, if you would turn with me to Luke 16, Luke 16, verse 19, we're going to start there uh, tonight. I pray that you open your heart, amen, to what God's word will have to say, that I believe that tonight that the power of the Holy Spirit is going to help us. Let's not dismiss him. these words. Let's allow the word of God to help us and encourage us tonight. You know, I read a book many years ago that my wife read and she encouraged me to read it, and it's a book um, that was titled Heaven is for Real. And it was the story of uh, uh, Todd Burpo, his son, his three-year-old son had died, and he had went to heaven, and as he went to heaven, he got to experience some, uh, the things of God, amen, God began to reveal some things to him. Uh, but what made his story very interesting is he began to explain um, uh, things about heaven that no three-year-old kid could explain. That it wasn't that he was coursed in what to say or schooled, that he was revealing things. And what, uh, what made people believe what his testimony about heaven is that he met people uh, that were like his grandpa. He met his sister. His, his mother had a, uh, the baby had died before uh, she was born. And so he met his little sister. And so little things like that where the parents realized that, you know what, he did go to heaven. He had an encounter, and so they wrote a book, um, Heaven is for Real. They, they actually, they made a movie about it. Um, I really encourage you to read the book before you watch the movie. It's a very good book um, about heaven. And so tonight, for the most part, um, I don't have to stand up here to convince you that heaven is I don't have to preach a full sermon dealing with heaven because for the most part, we believe in heaven. We believe there is a place of glory where God is in heaven and where people that have died and gone before us are there with their angels. But listen, I want to tell you tonight that as real as heaven is, there is a hell. That hell is for real. And listen, I came across an article a couple of years ago where Pope Francis made the statement. And the news article read that we no longer have to be afraid of hell anymore because the Pope has confirmed that hell is not for real. Listen to the article. It said, three days before Easter, the Vatican, they, uh, the Pope Francis, he said, hell does not exist. It was a mark of a historic break with the teachings of the Catholic Church. When asked where do bad souls end up, according to the article, Francis reportedly said that those who repent can be forgiven, but those who do not repent simply disappear. Then in the four words heard round the world, hell does not exist. The Pope saying the disappearance of sinful souls exists. Now we know that's not true. We know the Bible does tell us that hell does exist. And my prayer tonight, amen, is that God will begin to reveal some things to you that you would see the reality that hell is a real place. It is a place that Jesus doesn't want us to go at a time when people talked about this. It was a scary thing. People believed in it. They knew. But now hell, because of movies, people has become desensitized where they think that, as one man said, hell was going to be a big party. That when I go to hell, I heard that Michael Jackson and Selena were in hell, so I'm going to be able to party with them. But I want to tell you, it's not going to be a party. 
So let's look in our text tonight. I want to minister a sermon I've entitled, um, Hell is for Real. And we're going to look at two men who died and they went into heaven. One went to heaven, one went to hell. We're going to believe God to help us tonight. The Bible says in verse 19, um, There was a rich man who was clothed in purple fine linen and uh, who was clothed in purple and fine linen and fared sumptuously every day. But there was a certain beggar named Lazarus, full of sores, who was laid at the gate, desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores. So it was that the beggar died and was carried by the angels to Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried, and being in torments of Hades, which is hell, he lifted up his eyes, and he saw Abraham afar off, and Lazarus in his bosom. Then he cried, and he said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me, and send Lazarus, that he may dip the tip of his finger in the water and cool my tongue, for I am tormented in this flame. But Abraham said, Son, remember that in your lifetime you received your good things, and likewise Lazarus evil things. But now he is comforted and you are tormented. And besides all of this between us and you, there is a great gulf fixed so that those who want to pass from here to you cannot, nor can those from there pass to us. Then he said, I beg you, therefore, father, that you would send him to my father's house, for I have five brothers that they may testify to them, lest they also may come to this place of torment. Abraham said to him, they have Moses and the prophets, let them hear them. And he said, No, my father Abraham, but if one goes to them from the dead, they will repent. Verse 31 says, But he said to him, If they do not hear Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded through one who rises from the dead. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word tonight, God. I pray that your word will not be dismissed or fall upon deaf ears tonight, God. God, that we would see the reality of such a place that was created for the devil and his angels and not for us. But you made a way of escape, God, through the preaching of your word tonight. Be glorified, I pray. Deliver souls, I'm asking tonight, God, from the grips of hell that has them bound and give them life tonight. I pray this in Jesus' name and all God's people would say Amen. Hell is for real. So let's look first of all, and let's talk about there is such a place. Um, now, in our text in verse 21, the Bible says um, that this rich man, he had died and he went to hell. That this man, he was surprised um, that he heard about such a place from the prophets and the preachers before uh, that had went to minister. Uh, and now he is in hell and he realizes this is a real place. Now think what me here for a moment, amen, that here is a man um, that in his lifetime, the Bible is teaching that Jesus is telling us um, and he wants you to think about this man for a moment. And I believe that Jesus uh, wants you and I to liken ourselves to this man and he wants us to put ourselves in this man's shoes as it's always been the heart of Jesus when he told a illustration or he told a story uh, that he is trying to give you and I revelation of truth and reality um, and so it is a picture of a man that you meet on outreach one day um, and you're out and about and you're telling him um, do you believe in hell 
Do you believe that hell exists and that there is such a place and who knows and no doubt that this rich man, as you're ministering to him, that this man will probably respond like most people respond. They say, well, I don't know if hell's real, but I'll find out when I get there. You hear people say, I don't believe in hell. And because I don't believe in hell when it's not a real place, then why should I be afraid? Why should I be worried? Or his response will maybe be, if hell is a real place, then I guess, oh, well, that's the place where I'm going to go. How many have heard that before? That, you know what, you tell people, where are you going to go when you die? And they say hell. And you say, are you okay with it? Well, I guess. Or they may say, well, I believe him. That there is such a place, but it's not enough to change the way they live. And so this could possibly be, listen, this man's view and his perspective of hell prior to him dying. Who knows? And we understand. Let me ask you tonight, church, what is your perspective of hell? What, how do you view hell tonight? That if someone was to ask you, um, is hell a real place? How would you explain this to them? Do you believe it's a real place? preaching um, and he knows the thoughts of man um, and he shares this story to relate to them uh, and he wants you and I to put ourselves um, in this man's shoes and wants you and I to think about how this man was upon this earth. Uh, this man had every opportunity in this lifetime uh, as he heard the gospel of Jesus Christ um, to repent and get his heart right uh, so he doesn't have to go to such in place as this uh, as he is relating to you and I as we are here upon this earth hearing a message on hell tonight remember Jesus was speaking to the Jews and the non-Jews that he was talking to those who had been excommunicated out of the temple um, and he is uh, teaching these uh, Pharisees and Sadducees and he's relating this story um, and letting them know that listen um, that so, that the people who you think is a nobody um, those are the ones that God calls as he relates um, the the beggar or Lazarus uh, or the homeless man the man that doesn't have much uh, that you're looking down on this man uh, and yet here it is uh, here you are you have everything uh, but don't even realize uh, that you're going to end up in hell See, hell's a topic that people don't preach on this anymore because it causes uh, problems in the church. It begins to steer the church. People don't want to hear messages anymore on hell. Uh, and listen, it's because they feel that hell doesn't, uh, uh, doesn't speak about God's love and his grace. That hell, it doesn't connect with who God is in his mercy, in his love. And so how can you preach on hell that if God loves everybody, how, how would a good God, a loving God, send someone to hell? We know that's not the case. That he is a good and he is a loving God. That is why we are here tonight. That is why all those that are listening on live stream tonight uh, is that this good and loving God 
knew that you were going to hear this message tonight and you were going to have an opportunity to respond to his way of escape, amen, that we can escape hell. We don't have to go to this place. That is why he died upon the cross and he shed his blood. He was made a sacrifice for you and I. He took the place of death, but he conquered death, amen, and he went to this place of hell for three days and he conquered it, amen, so that you and I can conquer it tonight and we don't have to go to this place. One famous mega church preacher, he said, those are the four letter words you'll never hear in my church. Jehovah's Witnesses, they don't believe in hell. This is their argument. In their minds, they cannot fathom that God is a God of judgment. But I want to tell you something. If you read the Bible, God had no problem revealing judgment upon people's sin. No problem. We know from the beginning when he flooded the earth in and, and Genesis and, and Noah, he brought him and his family in the ark to save them. God judgment upon the earth, Sodom and Gomorrah, God judged it with fire. Listen, God has no problem bringing judgment. But that's not the heart of God, though. Bible says that God did not come to condemn the world, but to save the world. That is the heart of God. But judgment is coming. That we think the world today is in a bad place. Man, this is hell on earth. Let me tell you, this is nothing compared to what hell was going to be like. See, Jesus preached more on hell than he did heaven. And he purposely did that. You know why he did that? Because he wants you to know hell is for real. And he doesn't want you to go there. See, the word of God speaks about hell and uses many words throughout scripture. Just depending on the translation you're reading, you would read the word Sheol. That is the word that we understand that Lazarus, he says, I am in Sheol or I'm in uh, Hades or Gehenna. What it, it, it's hell. It's hell's fire. It is a place of torment um, where the fire is never quenched. It is a place, amen, the Bible says that is in the earth, amen, in the heart of the earth. We don't know, but what the Bible and scholars believe that it is a real place in the earth. It is in the center of the earth. I know people said it back in the days they had this long microphone cord and they got that microphone and put it all the way down into this little volcano and they heard screaming and demons and, and tormenting people. They found hell. They found the door to hell. No, the, the, hell is a real place with bars. It's a place in the earth. Who knows? If it's spiritual, that is why I believe Jesus says he's going to create a new heaven and a new earth. Because this new heaven is not going to be a place where hell is. Here in our text, the Bible says this rich man died. He learned hell was a real place. Verse 27, then he said, I beg, beg you therefore, Father, that you would send him to my father's house. For I have five brothers that may testify to them, lest they also come to this place or torment. Listen, the New Living Translation says, For I have five brothers, and I want him to warn them about this place of torment, so they won't have to come here when they die. Think about this. Those that went before us, we always hear at a funeral, amen, you hear those words, they're in a good place. They're in a better place. The question is, are they? And who knows that they're in this place and 
No doubt there probably some are in hell. Well, and I bet you that is their prayer tonight. Man, I wish I can tell my family members that there is such a place as this. See, there's been people who's died. They've gone to hell. They've experienced You always get, you know, then you have those skeptics who, you know, that they testify. Hey, I, Bill Wisely, very powerful testimony how he died and he went to hell for 23 minutes and he describes what hell's like. Um, and, uh, and, you know, and I believe his story because this man is still living for God to this day. This man is still preaching the gospel um, and the message of hope that Jesus doesn't want. I get worried about those who say they went to hell and they're still living like hell on this earth. Like, I, I, I think you just had a bad dream or something or pizza because uh, it, obviously it wasn't that bad because it hasn't changed the way you live. So what is hell going to be like? See, the rich man, think about it, his testimony of hell, what it was like and what he saw, what he experienced. See, we have to remember that hell was not the lake of fire. Lake of fire is created after the judgment. We got to remember at the end, the devil is also going to be tormented day in and day out, nonstop. God has already judged him and he's going to be tormented. He's going to be thrown into the lake of fire. Yes, he's tormenting now demons and in the hell that we have now. But the lake of fire, there's going to be a time where God is going to have his way with the devil. He's going to be punished for eternity. That means that the punishment we're talking about where it says we're going to be tormented. And listen, is going to come from the punishment of God. He says, listen to his testimony. He realized it wasn't a party. He didn't see Michael Jackson. He didn't see he didn't see all Hitler and Mussolini and, and you know El Chapo, whoever. I don't know Chapo's alive, right? <laughs> El Chapo's daddy. So, but think about. Listen to what he said. <laughs> listen to what he said. Hell's like. He says it's unbearable heat, the thirst. How many have been thirsty before? You've been so thirsty. I remember when I was a kid, I was so thirsty. We went fishing uh, with my brother and his friends. And I remember we took a three liter, you know, uh, root beer and it was so hot. But I remember I just wanted some water. And we were fishing at this pond and this pond was so it was dirty. And but I was so thirsty that I had drank water from that pond. I regretted it, but I it just I wanted to quench my thirst. And so listen, but here it speaks about a thirst that's undescribable. That you're, you're constantly going to be thirsty, and, and it's not talking about a physical water, amen. Listen, because when we die, it, our souls, amen, it's, it's going to be thirsty for Jesus, the living water. And I want you to think about this point, because listen, people are going to see heaven. They are going to get a glimpse of it, um, of heaven is what we see here in our text, uh, that the rich man, he saw uh, Lazarus, he saw Abraham, uh, that he was able to see it, uh, but he couldn't get there. That the torment in his mind, uh, and he says, um, Abraham, if you can just dip your finger in water and come and, and put it on my tongue, that would relieve it just for a second. And listen, that he is so thirsty. That he would rather have a, 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 a man come and dip his finger of water and put it in his mouth uh, to soothe him. See, 
Think about this. Have you ever considered the Bible says that man has chosen darkness rather than light? And, and you know what I was reading about this? And, and one commentator believes that it is speaking also about eternity. That in eternity, when you're in hell, that they believe that you're going to see that light. You're going to see God. You're going to have a glimpse of it. And the enemy's going to lie to you and say, don't go to that light. That light is much worse. You think it's worse here. It's worse. And the Bible says they're going to choose darkness rather than light. That this darkness is so thick that you can feel it. Think about this in Egypt when God sent the plagues that the Bible says that darkness covered the land and it was so heavy that the people felt it. That this is what you're going to feel when you go to hell. The Bible says it's going to be darkness so heavy you're going to feel it. The fear. The agony. The thirst. See, the Bible says that hell is going to be a flame. Luke 16, 24, then he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue for I am tormented in this flame. That he is saying that it's not a flame in our minds. We think it's a fire. If we're going to be in eternal darkness, uh, we understand fire gives light. But see, we have to understand this is not a flame, a fire that gives light. It's what they believe. It's a fire that you cannot see, but you feel it. The same effects as you're on fire. You're going to feel that. You're going to know it's a flame. Matthew 5, 22. But I tell you that anyone who is angry with his brother will be in subject to judgment. Again, anyone who says to his brother Raka is answerable to the Sanhedrin. But anyone who says you fool will be in danger of, of the fire of hell. Matthew 25, 41, then he will say to those on his left, depart from me, you who are cursed into eternal fire, prepare for the devil and his angels. That we have to understand there is a fire, but it also speaks about a place of torment, a place where the enemy is going to torment you day in and day out. As the Bible says again, they chose darkness rather than light. And it's a glimpse, amen. We understand that the enemy, Satan, right now, that he is tormenting people in hell. It is a place of separation from God. Think about we are social beings, that we want to interact with people. And think about being totally separated for eternity. That no one's thinking about you. And, you know, we can sit at home in our apartment and wherever we're at, and it's like we want people to think about us. We want people to call us and see how we're doing and, and to know that we exist. But when you're in eternity, that, that there's none of that. That nobody's thinking about what you're going through in the, the flames, the fire, the thirst, the the fear that you're that you're going to be facing every single day think about this because people think listen you know I, I used to always think that when you get to heaven you're going to know everything right you're, God's just going to reveal it to you and you're going to have all of the answers you know the Bible it, it says that when we get to heaven we're going to forever be learning about heaven that we're going to learn new things that for all of eternity, that it's just going to get better and better. 
We're going to learn about the goodness of God. When we think that we finally learned about heaven and all his goodness and we're going to be so excited, God says that's just the beginning and we're going to be learning more and more in eternity. It, it never ends. That God is always going to be teaching us things and, and showing us good things and that he's created and he's prepared to, for you and I, man, a place in heaven um, so that we can go there to be with him. Uh, as he says, I'm coming back for you. But listen, hell is a place um, of torment, is a place uh, that you're forever going to be learning about it. When you think uh, that you've various things, when you felt that you felt the, the darkness and the fear and the loneliness, when you felt that you had experienced all of this in the flames um, that to its extent, that's just going to be the beginning. You're going to learn more things about hell. You're going to learn more about its darkness. This is what the Bible's telling us. That's why Jesus says in Mark 9, 43, if your hand causes you to sin, cut it off. It is better for you to enter into life maimed than with two hands and to go into hell where the fire never goes out. And if your foot causes you to sin, cut it off. It is better for you to enter life crippled than to have two feet and be thrown into hell. If your eye causes you to sin, pluck it out. It is better for you to enter the kingdom of God with one eye than to have two eyes and be thrown into hell where the worm does not die and the fire is never quenched. That one of the worst things that we believe, if you're a student of the Bible, one of the worst things of hell is going to be the worm. Think about it. Out of the flames, out of the darkness, out of the being the tormented by demons, uh, the worst thing is going to be the worm. What could a worm do to me? If that's the worst thing of hell, then, hey, I don't mind. You know, man is so sinful. If you tell man you will be relieved in 10,000 years while you're in hell, they'll live with it. Okay, I'll live however I want on this earth because I know it's only for a certain time. That's how wicked man is. That if man knew that they had an opportunity to escape hell or get out of hell, that they will still continue to live in their ways. But look how the worm is what it's talking about when Jesus says where the worm never dies. The worm that he's talking about is your conscience. That one of the worst things about hell is your conscience. And when you get to heaven or hell, you're going to remember everything on this earth. And one of the things that's going to eat at you is you're going to remember you had opportunity. How many remember David Wilkerson? Preached at Times Square Church in New York City, passed away a few years ago. He used this powerful illustration that I want to use tonight. And I want you to picture this story as I tell it. Because this is exactly what is happening right now to people in hell. He gives the story of a man who dies and finds himself in hell. He is tormented. He's in fear. He's in agony. He's thirsty. He's in eternal darkness. But this man, it's like he wakes up. From what he thought was a, a horrible dream. Uh, and he's in his living room sitting on his lazy boy couch. Um, and he sees the TV on and it's Billy Graham preaching the gospel. 
And he is in sweats and he's panicking because he just had this nightmare. He hears his wife in the kitchen making food, making him a nice glass of cold tea. And so she brings it to him and he tells his wife, listen, I just had a horrible dream that I went to hell. His wife assures him, no, honey, it was just, look, don't worry about it. You're alive. Here, take a drink of this nice glass of cold tea. And he says, as he did that, he tells his wife let me tell you about hell what I dreamed about and the moment he begins to tell his wife he wakes up in hell that he realizes that that was an opportunity he had to get saved when Billy Graham was pulling an altar call this man is tormented for some time and then his mind somehow goes back to a service like our service tonight he's sitting in church he hears the preacher preaching And it's like in his mind, he knows he's just had a horrible dream or experience that he's in hell. But now he's sitting in church. He fills the comfortable chairs. He sees brother and sister so-and-so there. He's relieved. Man, I can't. Thank God I'm not in that place. I'm in the house of God. But he hears the preacher preaching. And he's saying, man, just hurry up and finish preaching. Pull the altar call so I can come. Give my life to Jesus. And as the preacher's preaching, finally the man begins to crawl up to the altar thanking God that he has an opportunity to get saved and right when he makes his way to the altar he wakes up in hell and he's being tormented and it just replays every opportunity that he's had upon the earth to get saved will replay in his mind and say I had a chance I had a chance to escape this place And the worm, the conscience, is going to constantly be playing over and over for eternity. Are you trying to scare me tonight, Pastor? No, Peter says we persuade men and we save them. We we pluck them from the hands. You know, Jude 1.23 says, for we snatch souls from hell's fire. That's what we're called to do. Hell is a real place. We have to make sure that our hearts are right. Just to think right now, people that we know personally are probably in hell right now. You know the scariest thing? Think about it. We're not a big crowd. But everybody may not make heaven their home. What is the percentage tonight of those that are going to go to hell tonight? Or if they spend eternity or if they die? I mean, these are real questions. This is what Jesus was doing. He was presenting the Jews, the people. He was telling them this story so that they can see the reality that hell is a real place. But no, pastor, I, I'll get my heart right when, you know what, when, when, when I'm on my deathbed. I heard a story about a man who, David Wilkerson, in this story I was, I was uh, reading about, and he said um, as he was preaching this on the worm, he said there was a man that was there who was his body had been 90% burnt. And so he's there still wrapped up. Uh, and he said, man, it just so happened he went to uh, he was in the finest hospitals there in New York. And he was able to stop by David Church on Times Square Avenue. And he's preaching a sermon on hell. And he says, let me tell you a story. He said just a couple of months ago, he says, I was working on an oil rig right off the coast of Canada. 
He said that I had a friend or uh, he was there working and there was a gentleman that was there uh, who began to mock him because he would read his Bible um, and he would talk about Jesus. And he said, you know what? I blew it off. You know what? Because people, they, they're going to mock me. He said, but it's like every day this man was telling me things and I would tell him that Jesus loves him. And, and he said, but it got to the point. He said, I didn't care. I didn't even want to tell him anymore about Jesus. I just left it alone. He said, I was about to transfer to another oil rig. And he said that two days before I was going to transfer, he said the rig blew up. He said it blew up. I caught on fire. They were able to, to um, uh, help me and, and get the fire out. And he said, but that gentleman that was mocking me. He said that this man, he was completely burnt. He is on fire. And as this man's on fire, his whole body 100% burnt. They finally put the blanket over him, take the fire out. And he says, you know, the, you know what he said when we finally got the fire off? He said the words that he asked, look what he asked. He says, do I still have a nose? He said, I can't breathe. Do I? And he's trying to fill his face. He says, do I still have my nose? And what he's saying is that this man is on fire and he's thinking about his nose. Do I have a nose? Think about this tonight. That people sit in the house of God too many times and they're literally, as Jesus says, that you know what? That wide gate is the gate that leads to destruction. That many are on their way to hell and they're worried about my phone. Have, have you seen my phone? They're worried about their endeavors and what they're, and here it is, a message that's being preached tonight. That you will remember for all of eternity. Isaiah 66, 24. They shall go forth and look upon the corpse of the men who have transgressed against me, for their worm does not die. Their fire is not quenched. They shall be in abhorrence to all flesh. See, the reason I, I, I'm preaching this tonight is because of the grace of God. That trying to preach a sermon in 30 minutes on hell, it, it's It's hard. I'm trusting in the Holy Spirit to do the rest. So we need to take heed to the reality and the warning that hell is for real. That we cannot wait and to prove is this a real place or not because when we find out it's going to be too late. You know the Bible says that hell was never satisfied. It's always open. Hell's going to be for a long time. I want to close with this thought. They say as someone was asked a picture of what eternity looks like. And so one man, he used this analogy. He says, you want to know how long eternity is? He says, let's say that a dove flies from the moon to the earth and takes one grain of sand, flies back to the moon, put it back on, and then flies back to the earth, back and forth. And when he's finally taken all of the sand that's upon the earth and put it on the moon, that's one day of eternity. Eternity is a long time. Our life here is very short. We are not here for a long, we may live a long time. I read a story about a girl, she 
cheated death twice. She was in a car accident. And here she is. As she's in a car accident, they had to airlift her to the hospital. And as they're on their way to the hospital, the helicopter crashes. She survives the helicopter crash. When her parents go to the room, she says, I think I need to get right with Jesus. I think he's telling me something. God's telling you something tonight. God's telling me something. That hell was a real place and we need to prepare ourselves for eternity. I want every head bowed and every eye closed. You know, Psalms 51. David says, I know my transgression and my sins is always before me. He says, against you, you alone I sin and done what is evil in your sight. So that you are proved when you speak justified, when you judge. Surely I was sinful at birth, sinful from the time my mother conceived me. David is saying, I deserve judgment. But because of your grace, because you know who I am, God. You're, you're a God of mercy. You know, God loves you so much. He did not prepare hell for you and I. It was a place that was prepared for the devil and, his, and, and the fallen angels. That is why Jesus had to come.